This is Joe Satriani. I'm talking with Jay Scott on the Hook Rocks. Don't stand too close. You know I got things for you. Just need one dose. And I ain't got nothing to lose. So we can talk about it, talk about it all over again. Oh, we talk about it, talk about it further if we get nothing to answer for. Go ahead and give me more. Imagination and the age, but I'm living with no regrets. Don't look at me. Hey everyone, what's happening? What's going on? It is Jay Scott. This is the Hook Rocks, the ultimate rock community podcast. Hope everyone enjoyed their weekend, enjoyed their week, depending on when this airs. Uh, spring is definitely in season. It's raining. It's getting chilly. We haven't really had that many nice days here yet in Chicago, but uh, hopefully soon as summer is uh, fast approaching and concert season is definitely here. Going to see three bands or three shows at the end of the month here in April. We're going to go see The Warning, Buck Cherry, Blacktop Mojo, and then uh, Classless Act, Joyous Wolf, and Dorothy. So I am geared up and ready to go for that stuff. Don't forget, we are part of the Pantheon Podcast Network, a great network of music-related podcasts. Check out all my friends on there like Mac on the Ugly American Werewolf in London podcast, Decibel Geek, Tom and Zeus on Shout Out Loudcast, Martin Popoff, The Rock Historian, Ron and Esty, Vinny Apice, Carmen, Carmen Apice, Vinny Apice, I should say, on the Hanging and Banging podcast. So check out all those podcasts as well, as well as some great friends of the show, like the Itch Rock and Radio Show, Pot of Thunder, Bend and Scoop, and many others. Don't forget to follow the Hook Rocks wherever you do podcasts, whether it's Amazon, Spotify, Apple, wherever we are available on every podcast platform. We've had some great episodes over the last few months since the start of the year. We definitely had our quarterly review, our album rankings for the first quarter of 2022 that you guys always love to hear. We did our remote uh, uh, memorial episode in, me- in remembrance of Taylor Hawkins uh, at the end of March. Sad news, definitely with the Foo Fighters drummer, as well as some great new music spotlights, including Chains Over Razors, The Mysterines, Fortune Child, Naked Gypsy Queens, Joyous Wolf, and many others, as well as some great conversations. We did a deep dive on the Dorothy Classes Act and Joyous Wolf tour that's happening now and we've got some great stuff on the way too as well we just had matt wake on as well talking about the next wave of the new wave of rock music because we love to talk about new rock music and we're definitely going to do that today we've got a band from the uk or the lead singer of a band from the uk a band i'm a huge fan of great music we have caroline kenyon from the band bastet what's going on caroline how are you I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm doing well. I appreciate you doing this. Glad to have you on. Always like talking new bands and new rock music, which you are a part of, the new wave of rock or the new wave of classic rock, depending on what you call it. 
and uh, glad to have you on. But we always start the same way every time we have a first-time guest, and that is the essence of the show, just what we're all about. Just like every rock song has a hook that pulls you in, every rock fan has a moment, whether it's a song, a band, an album, or performance that hooked them on rock and roll. What was it for you? Um, Probably Cher. I just think I, I watched her some of her live performances and I was just like, she's just badass. Um, and I always went through my uh, my dad's vinyl collection and I would like older stuff like Heart, Aerosmith, Guns N' Roses, all that kind of old school, 80s kind of rock. I think I ruined a lot of his uh, vinyls. It wasn't good. <laughs> but yeah, that was probably... I think like Cher is my 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 queen. So is that like the stuff from like the late eighties, early nineties? Yeah, I think? you know, like yeah. the just like Jesse yeah, James she, stuff. Yeah, yeah. Where she goes, she goes more like you see her in the leather, and she she goes more rock and roll. Was it like John Bon Jovi and Richie Sambora part of that writing with her? And I think uh, there were others too as well. Yeah, the early, early 90s, um, she was going out with Richie Sambora. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's so right. I remember that actually, now. I think he's on one of the albums. Yeah. Where'd it go from there? From Cher, when did it become something that you wanted to do? When did it become something, you know, that you wanted to be in a band and perform? I've never really not... Um, I always, I always wanted to do music. My grandfather um, got me into. He was classically trained, so I was always in choirs from being really young. Uh, and then I went over to the dark side, so <laughs> to speak, which he was devastated by. Wanted me to sing classical music, um, but I think from being about fourteen. I was trying to get a band. I really wanted a band. And sometimes it just takes time to find the right people to work with. Um, So I've kind of come, it's been quite a a long journey, but I'm getting there now. (laughs) How about in terms of influences, you you mentioned Cher, obviously, that was kind of your gateway into rock and roll. But what other singers, what other performers really kind of led you down that path that took you to the dark side? Queen. Um, I've got to say, Freddie Mercury, as a musician and a performer, I just think he's one of the greats. Um, I did, I was obsessed with Guns N' Roses from being about 12, actually. Um, and I think that was one of the kind of... I actually had found the greatest hits album, and that was that was what kind of got me into them. And then, of course, you go back and you, you actually listen to the albums, which I think is something that a lot of a lot of people don't do anymore. Like, I love putting on an album from start to finish because that's the way it was intended. Um, and I think, yeah. I mean, there's, there's quite a few people. I think um, you mentioned Dorothy. Um, and I've got into her and, and the band over the past few years, and she's never come to the UK, or not since I've been listening to her, um, which I would love to see her live. Um, I think they've come back uh, with force after the pandemic from the from the YouTube videos that I've seen, and I'm like, why does nobody good come to the UK? <laughs> we ask the same thing. Why don't any of the UK bands come to America? 
you know, <laughs> so we, we're on the other end. I know, I think the Mysterines are coming next month. Um, and I think before that, the Amazons came with Dirty Honey yeah. um, a couple of years ago. And I think that's really been it. I don't know if there's any other bands that are part of that new wave of classic rock, as you guys call it, um, that have come to the U.K., so I'm excited to see the Mysterines, Um, and I'm, you know, we're hoping for more, obviously. Yeah, I think the well, a big a big part of it is can you get on a on a tour that that means you're going to get out to enough people because obviously it costs a lot of money um, from to fly over uh, on on either side of the pond, doesn't it? And um, there's there's quite a few bands that I would love to see that I haven't seen just because they've not actually come to the UK yet and it's almost like I almost thought should I do should I have a trip to the US and and uh book in a few gigs whilst I'm there I've thought of that (laughs) well I know uh Rival Sons and Dirty Honey are playing the UK this summer yeah which should be a great tour I would love to see that that bill would be great but as far as writing music and writing lyrics where do you get your inspiration um so i write a lot from like personal experiences and i find that those types of songs uh kind of flow better it just it spills out of me so to speak um i think there's there's something about songwriting that is almost like cathartic it, it you're letting a piece of you go with the music um, or you might be able to express something that you, you can't actually express without putting it into a song. Um, but I have started to think, like, throughout my kind of journey um, about, like, writing songs for the audience. What do the audience want? Because that's what it's all about. It's about you. It's about the audience. Um, and we want everybody to have a good time and uh, be up dancing and singing and clapping and really rocking out. Um, so that's something that I have sort of been thinking about more uh, as we get towards an album. As far as taking that path to writing music, right? I mean, you hear Cher, you're influenced by Queen and many others. Yeah. But then you start to write your own music. You find yourself being inspired by music itself and, and having a song connect with you or songs connect with you. W- was there a particular moment, a particular lyric, a particular song that led you to writing music that said, hey, that really connected with me? I want to write stuff like that that connects with people? Um, I think, well, if I'm, if I'm going way back um i love meatloaf songs um and sort of the the emotion that you hear in in those songs and the passion and the performance that he put into the music when he was singing it um obviously i know the majority of the stuff was written by jim steinman but that was very it told a story and it 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 throws emotion at you which is something that i I want to hear passion in music. I want to hear, I want to hear it in somebody's voice when they're singing. Um, so I suppose if I'm going back from a from a songwriting perspective, 
I actually loved the way that they would, and obviously because it was really, really long songs, um, you could build it and then slow it down. It had loads of dynamics and the push and pull. Um, and then you'd also have sections where it just completely like would get you all fired up and and really like excited. Um, <clears throat> so th- there is different ways of of looking at music, but I think you also have to you have to look at the audience that um, you've got. And obviously, I've been to a lot of gigs over the past. Uh, well, uh, since lockdown, uh, I've been gigging a lot. Um, and obviously going to gigs and you see what kind of works and what people are vibing and um, it's quite interesting. How does that or how do you, you, you write, you say you write from personal experience. Yeah. How, how do you personally navigate through those experiences to write music? Because sometimes you're writing about uncomfortable things or things that were difficult for you, stressful, emotional whatever the case, uh, how do you find yourself and how do you go into it? And how do you come out of it? Sometimes it's really, really easy and I will get an idea and the song is done in half an hour. But sometimes things are harder to express. Um, And I've got one song called Roller Coaster. Um, and it literally was a roller coaster to write it. It took me 10 months from start to finish and I couldn't finish it. I couldn't get a chorus. I couldn't, it, it wasn't moving. I knew that it had something, but I couldn't get, you know, like that, that big hook in there. I was like, it's, it's going and it's rolling, but it, it's not right. Um, and I was going through a kind of difficult period And that period had to come full circle and I had to kind of come to acceptance before I finished it. And I actually finished the song uh, on my birthday a couple of years ago and I just sat down and I actually, when I finished it, I I got really emotional because obviously it had taken me so long to write it um, and I'd put my heart and soul into it and I was like, wow. that's it that is it that is the song and I felt but I felt really good but it was like am I crying because I'm sad am I crying because I'm happy I don't know and I got really really emotional about it and then you should snap out of it but that because that song sort of consumed me and I suppose it was so hard to write and get out onto the page um it was almost like a release when it when it was finished when I did finish it well, that can be, you know, that can be a difficult, I mean, like you said, you know, it can be a roller coaster, like, you know, like the song. And, you know, when you do complete it, it's almost like you're, you're relieved of it, right? You're, you've, you've got it out there. You've got it on paper. It gives you a different perspective of a situation. Have you ever written something where it's, it's been a bit of time since you've dealt with a situation and you write about it? And it helps you gain a perspective that maybe you hadn't had before? Oh, yeah. Um, There's certain songs um, that you almost can't write when you're going through a situation because either it's too painful or um, you haven't processed what it is, like you haven't processed it yourself. Um, 
and yeah, there has been there has been occasions I've got one or two songs um, for the album, which isn't it hasn't been recorded yet, but we're we're, we're working on it. Um, and uh, they are they are songs that were more of a reflection on things. As you move forward and you're you're writing new material for an album, you know we look back at 2021 with the exposed EP. And you now here you're yeah we you know we talked about having the COVID restrictions lifted you know in the UK and for the large part uh, they've been relifted all over the United States. How much of a challenge was it for you to release music in 2021, knowing the possibility that you wouldn't be able to support it with a tour or as much? live as many live shows as you wanted to do i think if i if i go back to the pandemic the 2020 when it hit um i was in i was in denial and in shock and i'm thinking it'll be done in a month two weeks and we'll be out of this lockdown um and obviously we weren't um and then you had as a musician it was like well you either sink or swim um so I started doing live streams and realized how much music was needed um and how much everybody was obviously missing missing real life and we're all cooped up in our homes um and isolated from the world and and doing those live streams had it meant that you had a sort of connection to the to the outside world I suppose um so when it came to releasing music okay you you can't tour but through having that year of not being able to tour and you had to rely on the internet and I mean as much as I think there are plenty of like cons to the internet it that from that perspective it is amazing that you can communicate like we're doing a, a zoom call I'm on the other side of the world and we're having an interview it's so amazing and and you create a different um relationship with your fans um so when it came to releasing music i actually had i felt quite quite confident always you're always going to get a little bit nervous but i knew that the fans that i'd already built would really appreciate it and okay you keep building and you keep growing you you can't afford to stop um the the nature of the industry is fast paced so you want to get the music out and you want you obviously want people as many people to hear it as possible but even just giving the music to those fans they they want some live music they want newness um and it was a positive thing what did you learn most during that time in terms of just yourself in terms of you know your resilience and you know when you think back before the pandemic to now, you know, where have you grown the most as a, as an artist? Um, I think it made me push past certain boundaries that I had put in my head. Um, so there were certain things that I wouldn't do with regards to music or I was, I would get more nervous and scared about what people think. Um, and I think because I, I had to do it all on my own, I didn't have a choice. It's not that like you could have band rehearsal every week. Uh, I had to do it myself. And I wasn't prepared to 
like sing can basically go away for the year and do nothing. Uh, I still wanted to do music. So it made me, I had to think outside the box and I had to, I actually grew as a musician, I think, over that period of time. So there was a positive for me um, because I had space and time to focus on like um, getting better on instruments and uh, writing more music. You had that space away from like tour or away from all the extra work that you have to do on top of it and your your day job and everything else. Um, you did have space to do that which yeah I think I think you've got to look at the positives and that was a positive of of the pandemic really sort of made me rethink things you're at the point now where you're making and creating an album when you think of where you were when you made exposed and everything's happened you know since then was the mindset different for this album you know was the creative process different for this album well i've just got to backtrack a little bit i actually have a new ep coming out this year okay which is sort of uh the bridge um so this new ep is called awakening um and it is a four track ep um and it is I suppose the title sums it up. It is about waking up to um, who you are as a person, your insecurities and kind of uh, coming through that on the other side. So I suppose you could say that uh, lockdown helped helped me write that really. Um, And that is out over the next few months. But I am now obviously thinking about the album. So I'm jumping. (laughs) Well, artists tend to do that. You know, you're always <laughs> on to the next thing, right? Yeah, yeah. I've not, not even got the, the new uh, the new EP out yet. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm writing the album. Um, but the new tracks that I've done, we have a new track called Psycho, which is coming out very soon as well. But as far as, you know, the creative process, even for the EP, Awakening, you know, from Exposed into this album, has anything changed within the band or within within yourself that, you know, you're recording music in a different way or creating music in a different way, writing music in a different way? Is there anything that's different with you and the band? Yeah, well, initially, um, Bastet was my sort of solo project. So I started off, went into the studio uh, with a session guitarist and a producer, and that was the first EP. Um, And the second EP, actually, Um, largely. And this next EP has had... It's been recorded like a band, basically. Um, So it's... I suppose it's more... It's more... It is more riffy. Um, it's more passionate, um, and it's it's very sassy. But that's I like writing sassy songs, so <laughs> that is uh, part of it. Um, but with regards to writing at the moment, um, I am thinking I'm thinking more about the song and what the song needs rather than sort of trying to write for myself because I think I think over the years and this just happens as you grow as an artist and, and with a band when you are writing with other people um it's 
it's more about writing songs that obviously you want them to appeal to as many people as possible, not just writing because it's therapeutic for yourself which I think is what I have done over the years. I have written songs and gone, oh, I like that, but I don't know if anybody else is going to like it. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's interesting, too, the, the place that rock music has come from since before the pandemic. I mean, you know, rock and roll, rock music prior to March of 2020 wasn't in the best condition, wasn't in a good place in terms of relevancy. There were a lot of new bands. There were a lot of things happening. But in terms of just connecting with the youth, connecting with young people across the globe, it was it was a struggle. And I think that struggle still remains. But however, I think rock and roll has really positioned itself in the last couple of years uh, to start to begin to begin to thrive. You're, you, there's more excitement about new bands and the new music than ever before. Do you feel that way? And what do you attribute that to? I feel like there's more of um, a community through the pandemic because we were all taken to to the internet, basically. Um, So we have been able, I suppose, um, to build a community where they want new music and they are we all wanted to get back to our normal lives. So hopefully that means that the gigs over the next couple of years, everybody should be thriving and and wanting to go to them because I think that was everybody, like you get used to it and it's just normal life. And it's almost like sometimes they think, oh, well, I've just seen a band last week, so I'm not going to go. I'm not going to go this week. Um, but I do think that, like, there's bands like, um, so have you heard of Starbenders? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I found them, I actually think it was, like, the year before the pandemic. Um, and I found them through an advert, and I just, I really liked the song. It was London. Uh, I found them through an advert on Instagram. And um, I actually have, uh, is it Aaron, the bassist? I have him on Instagram, so we have a chat every now and then. Um and I just thought, wow, these guys are so cool. Um, they're awesome on stage. I love their image. Um, and it made me kind of get excited. And I also liked the fact that I didn't listen to the music and think uh, that it sounded like anything else. I know that there's obviously influence. But I think that's been part of, possibly part of the problem in the fact that, I w- well, personally, I wasn't hearing a lot of music that sounded new and exciting in the rock scene. I was hearing things that were really good, but like I've I've already heard that. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I think there's more and more bands trying to think outside the box and add different things into the music because in music, everything that has been done has been done to the level that is so good you cannot compete with it like who could compete with freddie mercury like his voice the way that queen were on stage like he he was amazing guns and roses like the chemistry and the energy like if you try and recreate that sound you can you can do your best at it but you're never gonna beat the original do you know what i mean sure sure yeah and i also know that you know in the history of rock what is so unique about rock music is from the days of Chuck Berry and even before that with the blues 
to now, you know, to go go through the seventies and the eighties, everybody rips off everybody, but everybody yeah. has their own spin on it. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? You yeah. know, um, I'm a huge Led Zeppelin fan, and yeah. you know, Led Zeppelin is known for you know lifting stuff from other artists, which is great because they make it their own. But yeah, newness is always refreshing, and a different perspective is always refreshing. Yeah, the way I, I, I think about it, sorry, no. <laughs> is can you do it better than the original? So if you look at Led Zeppelin, they came out and it was like boom and this this sound that was so energetic and so passionate that you couldn't help but not listen to it. Um, like, can you do it better than... If, if, for instance, somebody's uh, going to take a bit of Led Zeppelin, can they do it, put a spin on it that make, makes it their own and also do it so that it's better than the original? Or are you just copying? I think that's how I look at music because everything has been done. Mm-hmm. So what can you do to, to make it your own? so that you've got your stamp on it so people would listen to it from from my perspective and go, oh, yeah, that's Bastet. I know who that is. I think that's that's what I felt was missing. Um, And, like, you look at some, some, like, a band like the Struts. So, obviously, they're on, like, the lighter side of of music, uh, of of rock music. But uh, if you listen to them, they're kind of mixing a bit of T-Rex, a bit of the Rolling Stones, a bit of Queen, and it's all all put in the pot and mixed up. And there you go, that's the Struts, and they do a really good job. Yeah, no, the struts are fantastic. I would even put Duran Duran in that mix too, as yeah. well. You know, yeah, um, they're, they're they're a fun band to see live. They are, yeah, they are. They're great fun. You mentioned something earlier in the interview about full length albums, and it's intended to be, li- you know, uh, uh, it's intended to be listened to from track one to track ten, or however many tracks are on the album. Yeah. Do you think that? As we move away from full-length albums, I love full-length albums. I'm all about it. But many artists are moving away from that, releasing singles, releasing EPs. Um, I think that hurts rock music, right? I, I think one of the reasons that I, rock music has, has struggled with relevancy is they're moving farther and farther away from what has worked in the past. And yes, you always have to change and adapt to, to what is happening, but I don't like it when rock music follows what other genres are doing. I think rock music always has to be by itself and, and and do things the way they've done things like, you know, the, the full length albums, the album imagery, you know, all those things were so important and vital to rock music as I was growing up. I mean, everybody remembers looking at the album covers and just staring at the album covers and having that album, that full length album that you mentioned, being a babysitter for you when you were young, because you'd go in your room and you'd listen to it 10 times over. And that's what you do for hours on, on end. And for for whatever reason, the rock star image, the rock star, you know, uh, or the rock and roll Albums are slowly fading away and going with singles and EPs. And not that there's anything wrong with that, but do you, do you think that what's your perspective on that? 
I think that because um, the industry is so fast paced now and the way that particularly any, I suppose anybody under the age of 30 really, they haven't necessarily bought into this buying albums because it's on YouTube or it's on Spotify. And really they're completely missing out. Mm -hmm. Um, But because everything is so accessible, people don't think I want to buy um, that vinyl or I want to buy that CD because it's just there for them. So you've got to give them an extra reason um, for them to actually go out and and, and buy the vinyl or the, the CD. Um, and I think... I think with newer bands i don't i don't see it dying um i suppose in in the rock scene um but it's how can you make it again like fresh new and exciting because you've got to give people another reason to buy the album now it seems um because of of the internet yeah it has to be like a collector's item or memorabilia or something like that you know with the splattered vinyl or the you know the the uh special editions and all that and and I think that's great i i, I do I, I really like that return to vinyl and return to that physical tangible experience i just you know I remember getting an album and looking at the album cover and you know whether it was Iron Maiden or whether it was Metallica or Kiss or whoever it was, Zeppelin, you know, that sense of wonder that you get with looking at that artwork, you know, because it was part of the experience. And I think no other genre has been impacted more than rock music because rock and roll relied on that experience. And I don't think any other genre has been impacted more than rock music because it was that moment when you purchase something you purchase that album and you went and you were just in awe of the album and how do we get that back how does rock music get that back i don't know if you ever can because it's so digital now and like you said you know things move so fast people's attention spans are so are so quick um but i, I appreciated that comment that you made about the full length album because i think that's missing and i like it when bands Tell me they're working on a full-length album. EPs are great. I'd love it because EPs are on the other side of it. EPs, in my opinion, help you want the music more. You know, like when you're listening yeah. to a Bastet EP and there's four songs or five songs, when you get to the end of it, you're like, oh, I wish there was more. And yeah. that helps that anticipation. That helps that buildup. It helps that, you know, for when you do re- release a full-length album or another EP, people crave it more. So I think there's... There's good things on both sides. I don't know. It just it just seems like I think, and also too the the, the rock star persona. Like you do a very good job of having that mystery that a lot of young bands are trying to create and don't and, and are unable to create. I think that's important too, where you know there there has to be that sense of danger and mystery in a band for to attract young people. I don't know. What do you what do you think? Yeah, I th- I think that um, from from a, an audience's perspective, you've got to go on stage and you've got to um, sort of welcome the audience, but also own the stage. 
Um, and there's a lot more to a performance than just singing singing some catchy songs. Do you know what I mean? Um, and yeah, there's a there's a lot. I, I don't think people realise how much thought goes into a stage show um, and putting it all together. Um, but it's it's all good fun. That's the best part, really, for me being on stage. When you think of where you're at now as a band and where you've come from, what excites you the most? Um, the fact that I've, I'm getting a team around me of really good musicians who are going to all push to kind of move it forward because I don't really feel like I've had that before. I feel like, um, because obviously this did this did start off as, as just my project, so trying to find musicians who were behind it and behind the sound, because I really do feel like it took me a long time to kind of get the sound right, where I was kind of happy with the blend of different sounds um, and different styles within the music. Um, so I, I have felt like I need I needed the, the musicians and the band to be, you have to be aligned, you have to be together, you have to be all pushing for the same thing, otherwise there's just like one person trying to drag it forward and not enough help, if that makes sense. Sure, certainly. Um, yeah. So I I do feel like Bastet is is coming together and we're gonna we're gonna move it forward. It's gonna keep rolling. That's the plan anyway. How does that help you as an artist? How does that help you grow as an artist? In what in what sense the the in, in terms of having that team around you? In terms of having you know everybody going towards that that you know that same direction as you just mentioned, you know that same idea you know does that does that how does that help you grow as an artist well it it lifts you up for a start off um because i i have felt throughout the years that i've had people that i was just almost dragging along and they didn't really they weren't necessarily into the music or they didn't really care or they thought oh she's got some good gigs i'll i'll do some of those because they're good but actually i'm not that into the music and I think when you think about the music and what you want to see on stage, you want to see passion. You want to see people having a good time. You want to see the band gelling. And I suppose um, that for me was was difficult to find the right people um, because because it was my project to start off with. And I'm excited to kind of um, bring bring more of the musicians in to kind of be involved. Um, because four heads is better than one. Do you know what I mean? If you are aligned, if you're not, you're going to have button heads and you're never going to get anywhere. But if you can get a group of people who are all aiming towards the same thing, thinking in the same way, but also they might have an idea that I don't, and it might be a really good idea, so let's try it. And then you'll tweak it and you'll change it, and then it'll it'll turn into the song that it's meant to be. Is it hard giving up control when you're doing that? <laughs> that's a good question um not if if you've got people who are aligned with you because it it takes some of the weight off off my shoulders i suppose um and it is actually nice having having um 
the musicians that I've got in the band now, it is nice that they are going, oh, what about this? Let's try this. And I don't feel like I've kind of had that before. Um, So it's good that I'm not having to to sort of think of everything, (laughs) which is at one point how it felt. And and like, I, I am a musician and I play the piano and I play the guitar, but I'm not like amazing, like, amazing on every instrument do you know what I mean I have my strengths and I have areas where I could do with somebody going oh what about that because like you can't come up with everything do you know what I mean it's it's good to have people with knowledge that I might not have as much knowledge on do you know what I mean mm-hmm. and also you, you know when you're writing music too and you're stuck or maybe someone has a different perspective of how something should sound um that can help too as well, especially if you're you know open to that and and you know making a song better, making the music better, like you said, you know four heads are better than one, and when you're trying to make music, when you're trying to market yourself, connect with people on social media, it's hard to do that as a single entity, oh yeah, absolutely um it I think. I don't I don't know what it was like in the 70s and 80s but in this day and age it does because a lot of the a lot of the bands that you see actually will probably be DIY um a lot of the time um so they're doing it all themselves they are uh, replying to comments on social media they don't have somebody who just takes over the social media to promote a market um so it is very much do it yourself and try like the the main aim is that the the fans love it and if, if the fans are engaged then that gets the music out to more people so when like we have a, a fan group so when we release the next single which will be in a few weeks hopefully fingers crossed um I will be going on the fan page and going guys here you go here's the new single what do you think and they will give me their honest opinion hopefully they'll love it <laughs> um but that's just one aspect of the music industry at the moment uh, as it has uh, evolved and i think unfortunately or fortunately whichever way you want to look at it you can find some amazing bands online but trying to sift through the bands that maybe aren't as good because anybody can record a song in the room on their laptop with a little MIDI piano, MIDI keyboard, um, and you can record a song and do it yourself and it not necessarily be any good and upload it on Spotify. So that, in a way, that dilutes the really good music because it, there is so much music out there. Um so from a consumer's perspective, you've got to sift through the until you find something that you like. I'm not saying that um, like the majority of it is bad. I mean, I don't know. Depends on who, you, who you're asking. But you have to find what you like, don't you? Um, but because there is so many different bands and different artists, it's kind of hard, it's hard to break through. Whereas I think in the past you kind of built it up from the ground up and you got yourself a little fan base. And then I presume if there was a little bit of a buzz about them, you then um, some sort of 
uh, agent or record label or whatever would say would come to a gig and go, oh, but because there's like I'll sign them, but because there's no real money in the music industry anymore, that doesn't happen in the same way. So it's very, very much DIY, and then you've got to get through the amount of music that is online. It is a lot of work. You're absolutely right. I mean, <laughs> you know, it, 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 you know, you know, going through things and hearing things and, you know, one of the, you know, as a new band and, and, and you probably feel this too, you know, it's so important for new artists, for new bands to have a person in the room, in the studio telling you, no, that doesn't sound good. No, you got to do it this way because if you have, you know, your mom in there all the time telling you how great you are, right? It's not going to push you to be a better artist. I've talked to several bands and several artists who have been in tears, like leaving the studio because the producer is just on them and wanting them and pushing them and wanting them to be better. And it turns out when it's done, the music is better. And and every artist will tell you that. Like, if you didn't push me, I wouldn't have been able to play that riff that way, or I wouldn't be able to hit that note the way it should have been hit, you know? And that's so important that I think people don't understand, especially, you know, younger artists that it takes a lot of work to make it sound the way it should sound. And you just can't put a band together and in three weeks record a song and put it out on some streaming service that shouldn't be what and have it represent you. That shouldn't be the case. It should be work that song over, work those songs over, play them out live and work them out. And then we go record. I think a lot of bands put the cart before the horse. Yeah. I think that's quite interesting um, because I have obviously worked with a number of producers over the years um, and there was there was one producer who he managed to get this this note out of me and I was like whoa like where did that come from but I suppose I was just having such a good time um, and really kind of vibing and enjoying myself that I I I sang to my heart's content and was really really into the music and there is something to be said about how you feel when you go into particularly the, well the vocal booth from my perspective there is you have to be in the right frame of mind for the song in order to get what you need out right well what's going on this year for you uh what what's next for Bastet? i know you're you said you're recording you have the new ep coming out there's shows coming up what's 2022 look like for you um, so we have festivals throughout summer um, and we've actually got um, a guitarist in who is going to play uh, the shows with us over summer. She's called Laurie, Laurie Buchanan um, and she was in um, the Hot Dam. She's in the Hot Dam. She was in Tequila Mockingbird um, and she's going to come and do the festivals with us over summer, which is really exciting. Um and we have singles coming out, which will then be an EP. So we have three singles coming out through summer, um, all with videos. Uh, and then the EP will be out September, October time. So new music, new videos, more gigs. Um, and we're just going to keep it rolling. And uh, we're hoping for a tour October time. 
uh, that hasn't been planned yet. Um, and then into recording the album. That's fantastic. Caroline, this has been a blast. Thank you very much for having me. All right, everyone. That's Caroline from the band Bastet. Look for new music from them later on this year. Don't forget to get their EP available on all streaming services. Check them out on all the social media. You can find them at bastet.com and go order their album, their last EP at bastet.bigcartel.com. You can order at um, all the merchandise too as well. Always support new bands, new music. I'm Jay Scott. This is The Hook Rocks. Take care of each other. We'll talk soon. Thanks. I know that you thrive from having the power So I let you think that you have the power But in reality that says more about you And unlike you I don't easily bruise The truth is that you know it you